This is the Moira Pentecostal Church Podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. I want you to come with me, please, to Exodus chapter 5. And we want to pick up where we left off this morning. Uh, This is part uh, 4 of this short series we're doing in the life of Moses, the man of God. And without reflecting at all that has come before, uh, just let me say that Moses uh, in Midian, out there in the wilderness looking after his father-in-law Jethro's sheep, he had that incredible encounter at the burning bush where God spoke to him very clearly. It was time for him then to be the, the man of God that he had chosen him to be. Because at this point in his life, after living there for 40 years, feeling he was an utter failure, because he had tried to be that deliverer for God 40 years prior to this, and failed miserably. Uh, He tried to do it with the arm of flesh, and of course that does not ever work. And then Pharaoh threatened to kill him, and he had to run. And now after 40 years, he's 80 years old, and he probably feels for sure that life has passed him by, uh, that the... uh, call that God had given to him has been missed. The opportunity has gone, never to return. But then when he had that incredible encounter at the burning bush, uh, then he sees that God has not forgotten him and that God's uh, callings are irrevocable. And so God speaks to him, but we saw this morning how again and again he was very, very reluctant to take up this task. And he tried everything he could to get out of it. But in the end, God was having none of it. And God convinced him that he was the man and that he was to go back to Pharaoh and he was to say, let my people go. In order to encourage him and to help him in that task, uh, he said that your brother Aaron is actually on his way here to meet you. And that was another wonderful intervention of God, the Holy Spirit, who spoke to Aaron's heart and told him to go and find his brother in Midian. And the two met up. And so now they're ready to go. Everything's ready. Uh, They feel this is the call of God. Uh, God has given them certain signs with that rod we talked about this morning. And so they know they're equipped to do this. And now it's time to go back to Egypt and to face Pharaoh. Now, this is not the Pharaoh that was there when when he was the prince in Egypt. This is another Pharaoh. That other Pharaoh is long since dead. And now this other pharaohs in charge and he's as bad as the other one in that really really uh, hurting the Hebrew people in the land of Goshen very cruel very wicked against them made them slaves made them build uh, their cities for them and so it's time for these two to go back now and face Pharaoh and so that's really what we want to deal with tonight how that happened and what it's like so what could possibly go wrong he's in the will of God he's equipped to do this He's got a great companion with his older brother, and he's gone back, and uh, he's going to talk to the elders of Israel. He has signs and wonders to show them what could go wrong. Well, we'll see in a moment that things did go wrong. It says, verse 1 of chapter 5, Afterwards, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh. Now, can you imagine, just for a moment, can you imagine as they would go into the palace? Now, 
understand that Moses had been in that palace many, many times. In the 40 years he was known as the princess's son, he, would end up, he knew every room in that palace. And as he would go in there, that would be familiar territory for him. The same gods would be all over the walls. Different king, but the same setup. And so when he went in there, he knew exactly where everything was. Aaron, that was the first time he is ever in there, but Moses, no, he was well accustomed to being in that very place. So afterwards, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. So, even though God had told him and warned him that this wasn't going to be easy, that Pharaoh would resist him, and that his heart would be hardened against him. But yet, here's the first moment, and Pharaoh just as a point blank, no, who is your God? Now, history, historians tell us that Egypt had at least 80 different gods, and that the Pharaoh was the reincarnation of the sun god, Ra. And so, here's this shepherd comes in, and he's dressed not in royal regal robes. He didn't drive up to the palace in a golden chariot. He comes in, if I could put it in modern time terms, nobody picked him up at the airport in a limo and dropped him off. He's coming in there looking a bit rough. He's only out of the desert for 40 years. And he's saying, thus saith the Lord, my Lord, my God, let my people go. And Pharaoh's thinking, well, I don't know your God. We've got lots of gods here. And if I, I'm the God here. I'm Ra. Do you not know I'm the incarnation of Ra? Pity the people. Pity the nation whose leader does not know or recognize the Lord God of heaven. Pity the people whose leader does not recognize or know the Lord God of heaven. We have leaders all over the world. We have leaders in China who do not recognize the Lord God of heaven. But we have leaders in other countries. We have one in North Korea who does not recognize the Lord God of heaven. In fact, the people thinks he's a God in North Korea in the 21st century, can you imagine? And so... We have people and we have nations and we have leaders who are not interested, who do not care, who do not believe in the Lord God of heaven. And pity that people are under their care. Because under communism, it's a rough time. Under China communism, under Russian communism, and atheism, and all the rest of it, it's difficult. Kim Il-sung, the leader of North Korea, when there was a, his dynasty, when there was a famine back sometime, the people were eating the barks of the trees while he was living in luxury. They just do not care. And they don't care about God, and they don't care about people. Years ago, us older ones would remember whenever Tony Blair was the Prime Minister of Great Britain, and whenever the Iraq war was going on and the whole world was tuning in. And in the midst of all that, he had some kind of epiphany 
and wanted to become a Roman Catholic. And uh, he was being interviewed uh, on television, live TV. And they were asking him about his faith. And before he could even answer that, and he wanted to answer that because he had been meeting up with George W. Bush, who was a professing believer at the time. Before he could even answer, his chief spin doctor, Alistair Campbell, sitting beside him, just totally interrupted and says, we don't do God. We don't do God. Well, look at the state of Britain today that doesn't do God. Look at the mess we're in. Look at the state of the nation. Because we don't do God. We pretend we do God as leaders, but we don't do God. If we did God, and if we treated the God of heaven the way this book says, we would not pass in the, by passing laws that are anti-God and anti-Christ and anti-life and anti-everything. So here's a pharaoh. He doesn't do God. He's his own God. And we've got our own gods today. We've got the God of technology. We've got the God of science. We've got the God of knowledge. We've got all kinds of gods today. And so atheists and evolutionists are telling us, we don't need your God. We don't believe in your God. Your God's a fairy tale. And whatever your God says in that so-called book, it's just fairy tales. It's nonsense. We don't believe that. And you shouldn't believe it either. That's what we're told. And young people going to school and going to college and going to university, that's what's pumped into them. It's anti-science, they say. Well, it was no different then. Here's a leader of a nation saying, we don't do your God. We don't believe in your God. We've got our own gods, thank you very much. So Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. So they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go the three days journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with sword. The God of the Hebrews? The God of those slaves of mine? The God of those people I have in a ghetto? Their God? What, I'm paraphrasing. What has he ever done for them? They've been under my whip for years, for decades. So where's their God? You're talking about that God? What's that God ever done for his people? Don't we get that today? Where's your God? What does your God do for you? We've got science. We've got knowledge. We've got, we've got everything we need. We don't need your God. Your God doesn't do anything. He doesn't even do anything for you. These are the arguments that we thrust in our face today. Then the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your labor. And Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are many now, and you make them rest from their labor. I know what you're up to, he says. You're trying to stop them working for me. That's what you're trying to do. And so the same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people of, and, their offers, and their officers saying, you shall no longer give the people straw to make brick as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves and you shall lay on them the same quota as bricks that they made before. You shall not reduce it for they are idle. Therefore they cry out saying, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let more work be laid on the men that they may labor in it and let them not regard false words. Let them not listen to this nonsense of their God. It's all false. It's all nonsense. Get on with it. That's the attitude. 
And the taskmasters of the people and their officers went out and spoke to the people, saying, Thus said Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go, get yourselves straw where you can find it. Yet none of, you, none of your work will be reduced. So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. And the taskmasters forced them to hurry, saying, Fulfill your work, your daily quota, as when there was straw. And also the officers of the children of Israel, whom the Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them. So these were Hebrews that the Egyptian taskmasters had set over the Hebrews. So... Fulfill your work, your daily quota, as, as when there was straw. Also the officers of the children of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmaster had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not fulfilled your task in making brick both yesterday and today as before? Then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh, saying, Why are you dealing thus with your servants? There is no straw given to your servants. And they say to us, Make brick. And we indeed, your servants, are beaten. But the fault is your own people. But he said, you are idle, you're idle. Therefore you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Therefore go now and work, for no straw shall be given you, yet you shall deliver the coat of bricks. And the officers of the, of the children of Israel saw that they were in trouble after it was said, you shall not reduce any bricks from your daily quota. Note this. Then, as they came out from Pharaoh, they met Moses and Aaron, who stood before them to meet them. And they said to them, Let the Lord look on you and judge, because you have made us abhorrent, or a stink, it says in the margin, in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants, to put a sword in their hand to kill us. In other words, Moses, it's all your fault. We believed you. We trusted your word. You said God appeared to you. You said you would be the deliverer. You said you were going to go to Pharaoh. You said you were going to get us out of here. And look what happens. If things was bad, they're a hundred times worse now. If we had to work hard then, boy, we really got to work harder now. And it's all your fault. And so they turned against the leaders. Oftentimes, when there's difficulties arise, even in the house of God, and in the work of God, oftentimes people turn against the leaders. And they did it here. They did it here. And so Moses and Aaron are standing there, not only as Pharaoh not listening to them, but now his own people are not listening. In fact, they're blaming him. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is it that you have sent me? Lord, I told you I didn't want to go. Lord, I told you you'd got the wrong man. Lord, I told you I couldn't do this. It was all the things that he did say. Why is it you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to his, this people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. So now he's blaming God. God, it's all your fault. This whole mess... It's your fault. Listen to me. I did everything you asked me to do. I did it in the time you asked me to do it. I did it exactly how you asked me to do it. And did it go well? No. In fact, it's worse. So God, it's your fault. Jeremiah one time, every time Jeremiah prophesied, the people hated him for it. And Jeremiah one time says, Lord, I'm not going to prophesy in your name ever again. Because the people want to stone me when I do. They want to kill me. So I'm never going to do that again. It's your fault. 
this is what Moses said. Lord, this mess I'm in, it's your fault. I did everything. You see, sometimes when you step out in faith to do the will of God, you assume that immediately everything's going to go well. There's got to not be any problems whatsoever. It'll be plain sailing because you've obeyed God. You did what he asked you to do. You did it how he asked you to do it. You weren't in the arm of flesh. You were going exactly as he told you. But suddenly things go pear-shaped. And you say, what's happening? I didn't think that would happen. But actually, if you had a thought a little bit more, God said, his heart's going to be hard. He's going to refuse you. But at the moment, this is what he's thinking. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will let you go, and with a strong hand he will drive you out from his land. Moses, don't worry. Everything's under control. I know you think it's all gone pear-shaped. I know you think this mess is all my fault, but actually, Moses, it's not a mess. It's gone exactly as I planned it. So trust me that you will come out of this. Your people will leave. Just trust me. And sometimes that's what we need to know, that if we have obeyed God and it doesn't seem to be working out, we have to trust him and say, Lord, I have done everything you asked me to do. And if it looks as if this is not shaping up, Lord, I have done everything you asked me to do. So I'm going to trust you that somehow or other in this mess, you're going to turn it around. And he did. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But my name, Lord, there's that name we spoke about this morning, that strange four-letter tetragratum, you know, that, that, those vowels or those consonants. But my name is Lord, and I was not known to them. I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Cana and the land of the pilgrimage in which they were strangers. And I have also heard the groanings of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage. And have I rem- I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, I say to, therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm with great judgments. And I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. See how many times he's saying, I am the Lord. If he is the Lord, he's the Lord, isn't he? And if he's the Lord, he's the Lord of our lives, and he's the Lord of our circumstances. I am the Lord. So Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel, but they did not hate Moses because of anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. Moses went to him and said, listen, God has spoken to me again. And he's told me over and over and over again that he is the Lord and he's going to bring every one of you out of this bondage. But by that time, they were so beaten down, they were so discouraged, they were so depressed that they couldn't believe it. And sometimes the people of God, if they get so down and so discouraged and so depressed and so hurt, they become disbelieving. And even if you show them what God's saying, even from this book, they struggle to believe it because they're so beaten down. And that's what these people are like. But God is a way of getting you up again and bringing you out. 
the Lord spoke to Moses saying, go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the children of Israel go out of this land. And Moses spoke before the Lord saying, the children of Israel have not heeded me. How then shall Pharaoh heed me? For I am a man of uncircumcised lips. If the people of God won't believe me, how will the ungodly believe me? That sounds reasonable logic, doesn't it? God, you're asking me to go to Pharaoh, who's a complete pagan. He's already said he doesn't believe in you. But if your people say they don't believe in you, what was the point of me going to Pharaoh? Hmm. He says, I'm a man of uncircumcised lips. In other words, I, I don't speak very well. That's what he's saying. Then the Lord God spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a command for the children of Israel and for Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. The next verses from verses 14 all the way down to about verse 25 is a whole genealogy. And we're not going to read it. There's loads and loads and loads of names. You may wonder, well, why is that put in there? It's very simply put in there because this is the genealogy of the Levites. Uh, Jacob's third son to Leah was Levi. And from Levi came the tribe of Levi, who were the priests. And from that came the high priest. And so Moses' mother and father were Levites. So that means Moses... And Aaron and his big sister Miriam, they were Levites. And so this is in here to show the Hebrews, the people, hey, listen, we've got pedigree. You see, we're from the tribe of Levi. God's hand has been on our tribe, on our people, right since Levi was born, right to us. We are the sons, all that you can follow the lineage, just to let them know they're bona fides, to let them know, hey, we are the right people for this. God has chosen us. That's what that's there for. Verse 26 of that chapter. These are the same Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, bring out the children of Israel from the land of Egypt according to their armies, or their hosts, that is. These are the ones who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring out the children of Israel from Egypt. These are the same Moses and Aaron. And it came to pass on the day the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I am the Lord. Speak to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses said before the Lord, Behold, I am of uncircumcised lips. How shall Pharaoh heed me? So the Lord said to Moses, See, and listen, I'm reading a lot of scripture tonight. Is that all right? That's okay. Because you'll go home and watch two hours of television. That won't even bother you. I read a book for three hours, it won't even bother you. So it's okay if we read the Word of God a little bit, isn't it? And so the Lord said to Moses, See, I've made you as God to Pharaoh, and Aaron your brother shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and Aaron your brother shall tell Pharaoh to send the children of Israel out of this land. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh will not heed you, so that I may lay my hand upon Egypt and bring my armies or my hosts or my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among you. I said this morning that this confrontation between Moses and Pharaoh, it's more than that. This is a confrontation between Almighty God in heaven and the gods of Egypt, the demonic spirits of Egypt. That's 
where the real battle is. And Moses, then Moses and Aaron did so, just as the Lord commanded them, so they did. And Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. So that's a good time to start, isn't it? We're thinking of wrapping up when we get 80. They're just starting. Boy, they're hardy, aren't they? Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh speaks to you, saying, Show a miracle for yourselves, and you shall say to Aaron, Take your rod, cast it before Pharaoh, and let it become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh, and they did so, just as the Lord commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. But Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers and magicians of Egypt, and they also did in like manner with their enchantments. Ah. Ah, wait a minute. So Satan does have some power. He does. In fact, during the reign of Antichrist, he'll produce lying wonders. But there's a limit to his power. For every man threw down his rod, and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. So God's power is greater, isn't it? And Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he did not heed them, as the Lord had said. And so here comes the first of the plagues. So the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hard. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning when he goes out to the water. So he's going out to, uh, to make his uh, worship at the Nile. And you shall stand by the river's bank to meet him. And the rod which was turned into serpent you shall take in your hand. And you shall say to him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has sent me to you, saying, Let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness. But indeed, until now you would not hear. Thus saith the Lord, By this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will strike the waters which are in the river with the rod that is in my hand, and they shall be turned to blood, and the fish that are in the river shall die, and the river shall stink, and the Egyptians will loathe to drink the water of the river. Ah, that's some miracle, isn't it? That's some power. Then the Lord spoke to Moses. Say to Aaron, take your rod and stretch it out over the waters of Egypt, over the streams, over the rivers, over their ponds, over their pools of water, that they may become blood. And there shall be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in buckets of wood and pitchers of stone. And Moses and Aaron did so, just as the Lord commanded. So he lifted up the rod and struck the waters that were in the river in the sight of Pharaoh and the sight of his servants. And all the waters that were in the river were turned to blood. And the fish that were in the river died, and the river stank, and the Egyptians could not drink the waters of the river. So there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. What a terrible, terrible image that gives you, isn't it? Then the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments. I mean, how daft was that? As if things wasn't bad enough, they're going to make it worse. And Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he did not heed them as the Lord had said. You see, the Nile was a place that was worshipped. It was a place that was worshipped. They had their own gods of the Nile. And so 
God is attacking their gods. He's shown that he is stronger and greater than their gods. And so the Nile was something that they worshipped. Let me just explain something to you about Egypt. You can see it on a map. Egypt is a long country, about 600 miles long, with great desert to the west of it, thousands of miles of desert, deserts to the east of it, all the way to the Red Sea. And the thing that makes Egypt is the Nile that's from the mountains of South Sudan all the way up through Egypt and it empties itself in the Nile Delta into the Mediterranean. And Egyptians live either side of the Nile. There's hardly ever any rainfall in Egypt. They are completely and utterly dependent on the Nile. The Nile is the artery that pumps the blood to the heart of Egypt. And God is turning that into blood. They worship it. They're completely dependent upon it. And it's a great river. And once a year overflows its banks. And that's what makes it so fertile. And you can grow a lot of stuff. And of course the, the Nile is full of great fish. And so to turn that into blood, was God was saying, you see, your God can't prevent this. Your gods can't do a thing about this. And Pharaoh turned and went into his house. Neither was his heart moved by this. So all the Egyptians dug all around the river for water to drink because they could not drink the water of the river. And seven days passed after the Lord had struck the river. Now you say, well, David, that's all very well and good, but that's thousands and thousands of years ago. If you were to read in the, the book of Revelation, you would see that there's three series of seven judgments that God's going to pour out upon the earth. Scroll judgments. Every scroll was open was a judgment. Trumpet judgments. Seven scrolls, seven trumpets. Every trumpet was blown was a judgment. Seven vial or bowl judgment. Every time the bowl was turned up was a judgment. And each one was worse than the last one. Each one increased in intensity. And these will be in the last days in the reign of Antichrist. And it tells us in Revelation 16, then, verse 3, Then the second angel poured out his bowl in the sea, and it became blood as of a dead man. And every living creature in the sea died. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the water saying, You're righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things. For they have shed the blood of the saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. And so even though these judgments in Pharaoh's day were happening thousands of years ago, but someday in the future, and maybe not the too distant future, God will pour out judgments upon the earth because of what they have done to the people of God. Are you still with me? The second plague. By the way, as I go through this, and I get to the ninth one, and we'll be quick, you'll say, are you going to do the tenth one? Well, I'm not going to do the tenth one tonight. 
I'm sorry, I'm gonna leave it hanging tonight. I'm gonna tell you why, because that's the biggest one, and it's the worst one, and it's the best one. And it's about the Passover. So that in itself needs our attention on its own. So the second plague, frogs. And the Lord spoke to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, thus saith the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all your territory with frogs. You see, frogs was another god. They had a god with the head of a frog. They worshiped frogs. They worshiped everything. They worshiped things in the sky. They worshiped the sun. They worshiped the moon. They worshiped things in the land, everything that creeped and crawled. They worshiped everything that was in the sea. They worshiped everything. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I have smite all your territory with frogs. So the river shall spring forth frogs abundantly, which, you shall, which shall go up and come into your house and into your bedroom, on your bed and into the houses of your servants and on your people, into your ovens and into your kneading bowls. And the frogs shall come up on you, on your people and all your servants. You want to worship frogs? Okay, I'll give you plenty to worship them. They'll be in your bed. They'll be in your bread basket. They'll be in your toilets. They'll be everywhere you go. They'll be on you. When you turn your sheets over at night to get into bed, they'll be covered in frogs. And the Lord spoke to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your hand with your rod over the streams and over the rivers and over the ponds and cause frogs to come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs on the land of Egypt. <laughs> Why did they not stop the frogs from coming up? That would have made more sense, wouldn't it? Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord or pray for me that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people and I will let the people go that they may sacrifice to the Lord. And Moses said to Pharaoh, Accept the honor of saying when I shall intercede for you, for your servants, for your people, to destroy the frogs from you and your houses, that they may remain in the river only. Okay, Pharaoh, I'll let you choose. You choose a time. You choose a time and I'll, I'll ask God to remove them, all right? So he said, tomorrow. Can you believe that? Tomorrow. Just give me one more night with the frogs. <laughs> now, mind you, why, why would you want to spend one more night with the frogs? But you see, sin does this. When people's not really, really serious about dealing with their sin, they always procrastinate. Well, I know I should give up that habit. I know I should deal with it. I know I shouldn't be looking at it. I know I should be, but I'll do it tomorrow. I'll just have one more day. But that tomorrow never comes. So he said, tomorrow. And Moses said, well, let it be according to your word that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. And the frogs shall depart from you, from your houses, from your servants, and from your people, and they shall remain in the river only. Then Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried to the Lord concerning the frogs which he had brought against Pharaoh. So the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and the frogs died out of the houses, out of the courtyards, out of the fields. They gathered them together in heaps, and the land stank. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and did not heed them, as the Lord said. He says, pray for me and treat the Lord for me about this situation. And you know, there's people do that. There's people you know God's only a 999 call. They're in trouble. Lord, help me. 
Pastor, pray for me. Not that you would do that, but others. And then when the trouble's over, they just go back to the way things were. The third plague. By the way, just leave the last plague, the tenth one to side. The nine plagues, every third one, Pharaoh's not warned about it. He's always warned about the first two, but he's never warned about the third one. So sometimes God gives people warnings and sometimes he doesn't. So the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, stretch out your rod and strike the dust of the land that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so. For Aaron stretched out his hand and his rod and struck the dust of the earth and it became lice on man and on beast and all the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And so the magicians so worked their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. There's a limit to what the enemy can do. So there were lice and man and beast. Then the magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he did not heed them, just as the Lord had said. Can you imagine being covered in lice? Biting lice that sucks your blood. Horrible, isn't it? In your hair, up your nose, in your ears, in your underwear, in your bed, everywhere, lice on the base of the field. You can imagine those old cows or tails would be just whacking all day long, dri driven mad by the lice. Sometimes I watch those Alaskan programs, and particularly if it's the summertime and guys are out fishing in Alaska, they have to put a big net over their head. They're ate alive by mosquitoes. This is lice. Billions of the things. And the Lord said to Moses, Rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh as he comes out to the water. Then say to him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go that they may serve me. Or else, if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants and on your people and into your houses. And the houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies and also the ground in which they stand. And in that day I will set apart the land of Goshen in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there in order that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the land. And I will make a difference between my people and your people. Tomorrow this sign shall be. And the Lord did so. Thick swarms of flies came into the house of Pharaoh and into his servants' houses and into all the land of Egypt. And the land was corrupted because of the swarms of flies. I know what my wife's like when there's a blue bottle in our house. <sighs> you have to get it. She will not rest until that blue bottle's gone. Or worse still is a daddy long legs. There's no, you have to get the daddy long legs. But can you imagine your house full of blue bottles and thinking where they had been and all the filth they had trumped through to come into your house? And they're on your food and they're on your tables and they're on your face and they're in your hair and they're in your, everywhere you look, there's flies, flies, flies. It must have been just absolutely horrible. But these were all the things they worshipped. They worship all these things, insects and flies and beetles and frogs and everything. By the way, the frogs, they couldn't kill them, by the way, because they worshiped them. And look what this happens. Verse 25. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Go sacrifice to your God in the land. In the land. 
I like his sacrifice to your God, but it's here in Egypt, in the land. In other words, I want to control how and where you worship. Hmm. I mentioned China again. China is clamping down on Christians big time, controlling where they worship. They've done that for a long time, but it's even getting worse. Unless it's a registered church, you cannot worship. You can't worship in your own house. They say now, they're telling people, where you cannot worship in your own house. We'll tell you where you can worship. This is what Pharaoh said, in the land. You know, I'll let you know where you can worship, Moses. So it's got to be here. Yeah, you can make a sacrifice, but it has to be in this land. It has to be here. And now we have governments, even our own British governments, is now making laws and regulations to tell us how to worship and where to worship. Even Sunday schools and youth Christian youth groups, they were trying to pass laws just a wee while ago to see what we teach them. So the government's starting to say, we'll tell you what you can teach. We'll tell you where you can teach. Well, this is what the sparrow was doing here. And Moses said, it is not right to do so, for we would be sacrificing the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. Because they, they couldn't sacrifice animals because they worshipped them. And this is what Moses was going to do. So that would be an abomination to the Egyptians. And they will not, then they will stone us. We will go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he commands us. So Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Only you shall not go very far away. Intercede for me. All right, okay. I'll let you move out of Egypt just a little bit into the wilderness, but at least where we can see you, where we can keep an eye on you. Then Moses said, Indeed, I am going out from you, and I will entreat the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart tomorrow from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. But let Pharaoh not deal deceitfully any more in not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. So Moses is trying to be accommodating. He says, Okay, all right, we'll go out a little bit, just out of the wilderness. But he says, No more of your lies. So Moses went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. He removed the swarm of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants and from his people. And no one remained, not one remained, but Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also. Neither would he let people go. Fifth plague. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh and tell him, Thus said the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go and still hold them, behold, the hand of the Lord will be upon your cattle in the field, on your horses, on the donkeys, on the camels, on the oxen, on the sheep, a very severe pestilence. And the Lord will make a difference between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt. So nothing shall die of all that belongs to the children of Israel. Then the Lord appointed a set time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. So the Lord did this thing on the next day, and all the livestock of Egypt died, but the livestock of the children of Israel, not one died. Then Pharaoh sent, and indeed, not even one of the livestock of Israelites was dead. But the heart of Pharaoh became hard, and he did not let the people go. By the way, I should say, because when you read this, you get the impression that this is just happening, boom, 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 just like one day after the next. It probably was time maybe weeks or months between some of these. You know, because you had the seven days when the river was blood. 
And then you read the next thing, the frogs was coming out of it. Well, if it killed the fish, it would have killed the frogs. So there must have been a time when the water was clear. So it's not just every single day something's happening, but there's over a period of time it's happening. So the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, take for yourselves handfuls of ashes from a furnace and let Moses scatter it toward the heavens in the sight of Pharaoh. And it will become fine dust in all the land of Egypt. And it will cause boils that break out in sores and man and beast throughout all the land of Egypt. Then they took ashes from the furnace and stood before Pharaoh and Moses scattered them towards heaven and they caused boils that break out in sores on man and beast. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils, for the boils were on the magicians and all the Egyptians. But the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh as he did not heed them just as the Lord had spoken to Moses. Now here's the interesting thing. Part of their worship to their gods and to the sky is whenever they made an offering and there was ashes, the Egyptians, there was ashes, they would take ashes and they would throw it into the wind. And whoever that hit, that was good luck to them. They were to be blessed. So God's turning that on their head. That's why Moses is doing this with ashes. So instead of good luck to them, it was going to be boils for them. Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh and say to him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me, for at this time I will send all my plagues to your very heart and, unto your servants, or on, and on your servants and on your people, that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. Now if I had stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, then you would have been cut off from the earth. In other words, I, I could have wiped all of you out in one go, but I didn't. For indeed, for this purpose I have raised you up, that I may show my power in you, that my name may be declared in all the earth, and let you live to show the whole world how I deal with those who mistreat my people and who do not accept me as the God of heaven. As yet you exalt yourself against my people in that you will not let them go. Behold, tomorrow about this time I will cause very heavy hail to rain down, such as not been in Egypt since its founding until now. Because they hardly ever even get rain. Therefore send now and gather your livestock. So there must have been some that was either spared or some new livestock, maybe some that they had worshipped. For the hail shall come down on every man and every animal which is found in the field and not brought home, they shall die. He who feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his livestock flee to the houses. Ah, the penny is beginning to drop with some of Pharaoh's servants. They've seen what Moses can do. And they thought, you know what? I don't care what Pharaoh thinks. I'm going to make sure my servants and my livestock saved. So they got them indoors. But he who did not regard the word of the Lord left the servants and his livestock in the field. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward heaven that there may be heal in the land of Egypt on man and beast and every herb of the field throughout the land of Egypt. And Moses stretched out his rod toward heaven and the Lord sent thunder and hail and fire or lightning darted to the ground and the Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt. So there was hail and fire mingled with the hail. So it was very heavy and there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hail struck throughout the whole land of Egypt and that was all that was in the field, both man and beast. And the hail struck every herb of the field and broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen where the children of Israel were 
there was no heel. And so this was heel like they had never, they'd never seen heel anyway, but this was heel like nobody had ever seen. You know, some time ago on television, I don't know if it was Australia or whether it was Canada, but there were hailstones the size of golf balls, and they were raining down on people's cars, and they were breaking their windscreens, they were denting the roofs and their bonnets, they were just racking the cars or rights off, write-offs after that. But listen to this in Revelation 16. In Revelation uh, 16, if I can find it now. Yes. Revelation 16 and verse one of, the, one of the plagues that God sent, one of the judgments. It says in verse 20, And every island fled away, and the mountains were not found, and great hail from heaven fell upon men, each hailstone about the weight of a talent. <coughs> Do you know how much a talent weighs? A hundredweight. A hundredweight. This was blocks of big round blocks of ice, a hundredweight fallen. Can you imagine what that would do to your car or your house or anything? That would flatten you, wouldn't it? And it says, men blaspheme God because of the plague of hail, since that plague was exceedingly great. And so even though we're reading this in the Old Testament, there's going to come a day in the future when things is going to happen like this. And so... Verse 27. And Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron and said to them, I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous and my people and I are wicked. Entreat the Lord that there may be no more mighty thunderings and hail, for it is enough. I will let you go and you shall stay no longer. So Moses said to him, As soon as I have gone out of the city, I will spread out my hands to the Lord. The thunder will cease. There will be no more hail that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. But as for you and your servants, I know that you will not yet fear the Lord God. Now the flax and the barley were struck, for the barley was in the head and the flax was in the bud, but the wheat and the spelt was not struck, for they were late crops. So Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh, spread his hands to the Lord, and the thunder and the hail ceased, and the rain was not poured out on the earth. Then Pharaoh saw that the rain, the hail, and the thunder had ceased. He sinned yet more. He hardened his heart, he and his servants, so the heart of Pharaoh was hard. Neither would he let the children of Israel go as the Lord had spoken. We're almost finished. Now the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the hearts of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine before him, that you may tell in the hearing of your son and of your son's son the mighty things I have done in Egypt, and my signs which you have done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. So Moses and Aaron came unto Pharaoh and said to him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go that they may serve me, or else if you refuse to let my people go tomorrow, I will bring locusts into your territory, they shall cover the face of the earth, that's Egypt that is, so that no one will be able to see the earth and they shall eat the residue of what is left, <clears throat> which remains to you from the hill, and they shall eat every tree which grows for you out of the field they shall fill your houses, the houses of your servants, the houses of the Egyptians and neither your fathers or your father's fathers have seen since the day that they were on the earth to this day and they turned and went out from Pharaoh and Pharaoh's servants said to him how long will this man be a snare to us. Let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not know that Egypt is destroyed? Ah. This is the first time we read 
or people, Egyptians are saying to Pharaoh, listen, our land is being destroyed. Do you not care? Well, the reality is he didn't care. And tyrants and despots do not care about their people. They don't. Stalin didn't care. He murdered them by the millions. Nazi tongue didn't care. He murdered them by the millions. Eh? They don't care. They only care about themselves. So Moses and Aaron were brought again to Pharaoh. And he said to them, Go, serve the Lord your God. Here are the ones who are going. And Moses said, We will go with our young, with our old, with our sons, with our daughters, with our flocks and our herds. We will go, for we must hold a feast to the Lord. And he said to them, the Lord, has, the Lord had better be with you when I let you and your little ones go. Beware, for evil is ahead of you. Not so. Go now, you who are men, and serve the Lord, for that is what you desired. And they were driven out from the Pharaoh's presence. Now that's, that's a little bit hard to get your head around, isn't it? Let me read that too in the NIV. Pharaoh said, The Lord be with you. If I let you go along with your women and children, clearly you're bent on evil. No. Have only the men go and worship the Lord, since that's what you've been asking for. And Moses and Aaron were driven out from Moses' presence. So we're starting to compromise just a little bit more and more. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts, that they may come upon the land of Egypt and eat every herb of the land that the hail has left. So Moses stretched out his rod over the land of Egypt, and the, land, and the Lord brought an east wind in the land all that day and all that night. And when it was morning, the east wind had brought the locusts. And the locusts went up, from all, went up all over the land of Egypt and rested in all the territory of Egypt. They were very severe. Previously, there had never been such locusts as they, or never shall be such after them. For they covered the face of the whole earth, that the land was darkened, and they ate every herb of the land and all the fruits of the trees and the hail that the hail had left. So there remained nothing green in the trees or in the plants of the field throughout all the land of Egypt. And Moses called, Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron haste and said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now therefore, please forgive my sin only this once and entreat the Lord your God that he may take away from me this death only. And so he went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord and the Lord turned a very strong west wind that took the locusts away and blew them into the Red Sea. Uh, by the way, that's the first time the Red Sea is mentioned in Scripture. There remained not one locust in all the territory of Egypt, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let children of Israel go. Now here's the last, the last plague, and then we'll finish. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, darkness which may even be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was thick darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days, but all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. See why he's doing this? Because their greatest god was Ra, the sun god. And this pharaoh believed he was a reincarnation of the greatest of the Egyptian gods, that he was Ra in the flesh, but he's absolutely powerless to do anything. He in charge of the sun? No way. God's in charge of light, and God's in charge of darkness too. And so things were so dark, that was a darkness that you could feel. It must have been awful. You couldn't see anything. 
They were scared even to go out the door for three days. It was like that. And they had no idea, because God didn't warn them about this. They had no idea how long this was going to last. It must have been frightening for all of them. Verse 24, Then Pharaoh called to Moses, and he said, Go serve the Lord, only let your flocks and your herds be kept back. Let your little ones also go with you. But Moses said, You must also give us sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Our livestock shall also go with us, not a hoof shall be left behind. Everything that belongs to us, we're taking with us. We're not going to leave one single thing behind. Wouldn't it be wonderful if every single one of our family members got saved Amen. and not one would be left behind? Thank you, not a hoof. <clears throat> For we must take some of them to serve the Lord our God, and even we do not know what we must serve the Lord with what we must serve the Lord until we arrive there. And so the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he would not let them go. Then Pharaoh said to him, get away from me. Take heed to yourself and see my face no more. For in the day you see my face, you shall die. So Moses said, you have spoken well. I will never see your face again. And he never did. And he never had to again. Glory to God. If you were to read them, I'm not going to do it tonight, but if you read Matthew 24 and Luke 21, you will see there that Jesus talked about end times and he talked about signs and wonders in the heavens. And the things that would come upon the earth would be so frightening that men's hearts would fail them for fear of the things that will come upon the earth. That's scary stuff, isn't it? And that was Jesus said that. So that's going to happen someday in the future out there. But here is Moses and Aaron. Nine plagues are over. There's one more to come. The death angel is going to come and pass over Egypt. And God willing, that's what we're going to talk about next Sunday morning because that's the most important one. And it's a symbol, of course. The Jews to this very day <coughs> celebrate Passover. And we at this table every Sunday morning, this is our Passover. This is the type of our Passover that we have a symbol of, that we serve you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.